Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Warehouse Church. How many of you are glad it's Thanksgiving week? Raise your hand up in the air. I am too. I love Thanksgiving. I kind of, I'm, I'm, this is going to sound a little Grinch-ish, and I don't mean it to sound that way, but I kind of like Thanksgiving better than Christmas. Does anybody else like that? Like this, with a little less pressure, the family stuff is good. Our daughter Emily's coming home tomorrow with her husband, Ryan, but she's coming home tomorrow, and uh, they're going to do a big baby reveal this week, and we're excited about that for grandkid number six. And uh, God is so good. I know that you believe that this morning. If you believe that, say Amen. This is our last week in the series that we're doing called Law and Order, and we're going to be talking about commandment number 10 and commandment number 1, all kind of in the same message. Um, I had a great cultural experience yesterday, uh, went up to Oklahoma, and I got to see Oklahoma play a football match against, I've said that on purpose, but a football game uh, it was really cool my first time seeing a college football game in this region. And somebody told me that this is the sign for Oklahoma. I'm not sure if that's relevant or not. I don't know exactly what that means, but had a great, great day yesterday. You know you like football when you drive seven hours to watch a three-hour game, right? You know you really, really like a football game when you do that. But we had a great time yesterday with my friend Baxter and his son Josh, and I learned a lot about Oklahoma yesterday. And I'm glad to be back in Texas. I don't know if that's a mean thing to say, but I'm glad that I'm here this morning uh, with you today. When I was um, early in my ministry, um, I I actually grew up playing high school sports. And since I'm talking about football, you can tell that this body, by this body that I have, that I played high school basketball, not high school football, right? My basketball coach told me one time, you're the biggest waste of 300 pounds I've ever met in my life. But since our school doesn't have football, you have to play basketball. So I played basketball growing up. I had some neat opportunities uh, after high school to play extended. But uh, I coached basketball for many years, in, uh, in two years in a Christian school, three years at high school, and then was really uh, did assistant coaching for even years after that. And I love coaching basketball. I love, I love even the beginning parts of coaching basketball. Not, uh, you know, it's really great to coach guys that are really, really good and see them win championships and stuff and we had the privilege of uh, being a part of a couple teams like that. But I really liked teaching the young ones how to play, you know, just starting off with the basic basics of, of basketball. They all, when you're teaching the little bits how to play basketball, the first thing they want to learn how to do back when I was coaching basketball years and years ago was to dunk like Michael Jordan, right? So we would lower the basket down to about five feet tall where Joey could get a good dunk on it too, you know, and and uh, but we had we they would want to do that, but they wouldn't want to they, they would want to skip to that really cool fancy stuff, and not start with dribbling, and playing defense and how to pass the ball and how to do a bounce pass and how to shoot it the right way because little guys can't shoot off of one hand they need to press off with two hands just to get the ball up in the air and teaching them things like that and I really like those foundational principles that you would teach them and basketball was kind of funny. Even coaching high school basketball, you would have to take a couple weeks at the beginning of the season to kind of go back to the fundamentals. 
because they've been playing street ball all summer and hot dogging it and, and, and doing things like that. So you'd have to take them back to, you know, pr- playing defense, which is a great concept, uh, shooting the ball the right way, finding the open man, learning how to move with, when you're not holding the basketball and things like that. But one of the things I really enjoyed about coaching was the devotional time that we would have, even in my public school that I coached at, God opened just a huge, huge door at Sun Valley High School in Aston Township where we were able to not only coach, but I could do devotions with the team before the game uh, because of a, a long relationship that we were able to build with that school system. We actually rented for them for a few years uh, when we sold our church building. It was a really neat thing. But I remember talking to the guys about one of the first talks I would have with them uh, in playing in, in the beginning of the season when we were going through some of our devotion talks would be getting your B's in order. Because if you were going to be a good basketball player on our team, you had to have your B's in order. And your B's for playing basketball when you were in high school on our team, to have them in order would have to go like this. Bible, books, ball, and then babes. Now I know that sounds, I know that may sound a little condescending, but you have to understand you were allowed to say those kind of things 30 years ago. We don't say stuff like that today, okay? But that's what I would tell our guys because, you know, some of the guys would walk into practice and their girlfriend would be standing right at the door and they would have such a hard time saying goodbye for the next 90 minutes and standing at the door and they would want to be kissing and smooching and hugging and I would say, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. If you're on time, you're, uh, being on time means you're in the gym 15 minutes before practice starts, your bees are out of order. You've got to get back to getting your bees in order. We would talk about it all the time. I'd say to my guys in warm-ups, what are your bees, guys? Bible, books, ball, and babes. And one of the guys would always say, yeah, but babes are way better than basketball. And I agree with that in principle. I really, really do. But when you think about the way that God laid out the Ten Commandments, starting with the very first commandment of worshiping and, and only having a relationship with the only God that has ever existed, Jehovah God. And then this last commandment that he shares is kind of interesting because it really does reflect the primary commandment that we had, commandment number one. This commandment number 10 really is a reflection of that, or it builds into that, where it says this in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Now, covet is really not a word that we would probably use too much in our culture today. But let me read this whole verse to you. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that belongs to your neighbor. Commandment 10 talks about being content with what you have, not longing for what other people have, as a reflection of you putting your trust and and your contentment in your relationship with Jehovah God, okay? And it's kind of an interesting thing because when when we would talk to our, you know, parents that are in the room, grandparents, anybody that that has a little age behind them, talking to somebody younger, even somebody at work, maybe you're mentoring, we we talk about priorities all the time. You got to get your priorities straight. Right? What are some priorities in our life that we have to make sure, like our family's very, very important, but is it the most important thing in the world? You know, I hear people say all the time, and it's hard to disagree with this, but I hear people say all the time, grandparents are parents. My grandkids are the most important thing in the world. Are they? Parents will say that too about their children. My children are the most important thing in the world. And listen, I'm all about family love, and you're going to hear some of this this morning, but I think many, many people, Christians, non-Christians, live a life where their life is out of order because they want stuff that they don't have 
because they're full, full trust. Now, when I talk about trust, I'm not just talking about the relationship you have with Jesus Christ that's forever and ever and ever because he died on the cross, forgave us our sins, rose again from the grave, and gives us an opportunity to have an eternal relationship with him. It seems easier that most Christians can believe in Jesus forever for eternal security, but trusting in him right now, that's kind of harder to do. Right? Trusting in him right now with our stuff, trusting in him right now for our days, trusting in him right now with our health, trusting in him right now in our relationships, in our marriages, with our kids, with our grandkids, in so many different ways. Paul talks about this very, if you want to grab me a handheld mic, I'd be great. I don't know why this one's popping. Just turn this one off. I'm sorry about that. For our online friends, we have a commercial for you this morning. Just kidding. But, thank you. Sometimes this thing just gets electric because I'm just so magnetic, right? In 1 Timothy, Paul talks about this idea of putting your life or putting principles in your life in order, right? He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, this is, if you, if you ever, when you're listening to a message on Sunday morning, I'll say it to you once in a while, there are two absolute home run verses if you want to write them down for you to memorize and make a part. I mean, every verse we read is, is worthy of that, right? But these are like kind of those anthematic verses that if you will apply a couple of these verses I'm going to read you to your life, if you apply them to your life as you memorize them, man, God's going to open up some great doors in your life as you obey him with these verses. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Circle that verse highlight it, write it down on a card, remember that, memorize it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If I have a sincere relationship with Jesus Christ, you ready for this? We, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, say amen. Right, people to come to church, most people acknowledge that and you kind of know why you're here. But here's the second part. Godliness with contentment. Contentment is a big, big deal. Contentment is really not a value that we hear propagated in our culture today, right? You don't see commercials that say, hey, listen, don't buy anything this week. Be satisfied with what you have and hug somebody you love. That's not a message you get on television, right? Godliness with contentment. And then it says this, it's great gain. Paul says this in verse number seven, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we're not taking anything with us. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare. Now, I want to I hit you with that for a second this morning so you understand what that means. Into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That doesn't mean having money is wrong. People misquote the verse that says that the love of money, um, that, that money is the root of all evil. That's not what that verse says. It's the love of money. Having money isn't bad. You know, money, money, is just, money is just stuff, you know, stuff we use to buy stuff that we need to take care of our families. But unfortunately, money is, is not in the proper place with our bees, is it? Sometimes we make money more important than even our relationships. Sometimes we make money more important than, than our, even our walk with the Lord. So money's not a bad thing. We understand that. He says this in verse number 10, for the love of money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. But you, man of God, ready for this? Flee these things. 
and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. What's the Bible say in Exodus 20, verse number 3, the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. You see, we can really apply that to our lives today, not with the idea of worshiping these graven images maybe that the, that, that, that the children of Israel struggle with because of the influence of the country that they came out of, but I think a lot of people spend a lot of time pursuing, valuing, and worshiping stuff. I think, it's, I, I think we kind of live in maybe the epicenter of that even in our whole country. Man, Dallas is a great place to live. Isn't, it, isn't this area a great place to live? The stars at night are big and bright. Even in the heart of Texas, right? I get that. I, I love living here. I love the life that God's given us here. I love the fam my, my family's around us. I love our church family. We love our friends. God has really blessed us with a really special kind of life that we have in this part of our life right now. For Kim and I, we really do. We enjoy living here. We, we love everything about it. I like football games coming on at 12 o'clock instead of 1. I like the evening news coming on at 10 instead of 11. I really like that. Uh, I, I like... Some, I don't like, you know what I don't like about living here? July 1st through October 10th, right? When you're just melting the whole time. But I love calling my friends up in Philly in December. What are you guys doing? It's Christmas Day. Turn the pool on, got the heater up a little bit. What are you guys doing up there? Freezing. We hate you. Right? It's a great place to live. God's really blessed us by, by living, all of us, by living in this, in this part of the world that we live in. Unfortunately, that becomes the most important thing in a lot of people's lives. And, it's, and we, don't we live in a time and in a place right well now where the message is not contentment, it's, man, it would be better if, you know? Like, I know my house, we have a great house, we're very, very blessed. Many of you have been to our house. We don't live that far from here, intentionally, because we want to be near our church and church family. But we live off of 15th Street between um, Custer and Alma. And I like the grid thing because it's really easy to get around this area, right? I like that part of living in this area too. But, you know, we see, we're very aware, like we have neighbors that are in this auditorium this morning, right? We're kind of very aware of different things that happen in houses in our neighborhood. Did you see that house over on Sacramento that sold for X amount of dollars? Woo! We got all excited. House right across from you guys. Sold for like a buttload of money. We're like, yeah, come on, keep that stuff coming, right? And then we see another house that puts uh, on another street too. Uh, they put a, they, did you see the second story they put? I didn't know we could do that, right? Did you see this over there? Oh, man, did you see that car that guy has over there? You know, that's really, and we look at that stuff and we value that stuff and we live for that stuff because it's the most important thing in our life, right? And they become, if we're not very, very careful, something that we worship. And you say, I would never worship my car. I would never worship my house. I would never worship my stuff. If you're living for it, you are. Let me say that in a nicer way. If we're living for that, then we are. So how do we put our lives in order? Well, here's the, here's, here's the thing about, about putting our life in order. If you're going to put your life in the right order, the first thing I want to share with you is this. God must come first. Not something that surprises you by me saying that this morning. First uh, John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And, are, and, his, and God's commandments aren't burdensome, right? So if, if, if we put God first in our lives, we're going to want to do things that please him. 
if we put God, God first in our lives, we're going to want to obey him or just try to obey him or to get to know him better so that we can obey him. But here's what happens to so many people. when Husbands, when we put our wives first, then we're doing things that make them happy all the time before making God happy all the time. You say, well, well, wait a second here. Isn't your wife supposed to be extremely important? Listen, my wife is extremely important in my life. I'm not saying taking anything away from the significance of that relationship. But if I put her over God, then my, then my bees are out of order. Then my bees are out of order. Putting God first means putting God first over your children, mom and dad. Putting God first means putting God first over your job, over your finances, over your money, over your cars, over your stuff over your vacations, even over your health, if that makes any sense at all this morning, what does it mean to put God first? So if we're going to have our lives in proper order, putting God first means we have to kind of take an inventory check of our lives. What is the most important thing in my life? And I can't answer that for you. I can answer that for me. The most important thing in your life is the thing that you spend your most valuable resource investing in. And what's your most valuable resource? Time. Right? So what, is you, what are you putting most of your time in? If you look at the time this week that you spent investing in your relationship with God, did that serve as a priority in your life? Well, you could go back and put your life on a pie chart and all the things that you did. Well, I worked 40, 45 hours, and I did this, and I spent this much time with my family, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. How much time did you spend all together now in church, reading your Bible, going to a group, serving the Lord at some level? Is it? Does it even equal 10 hours of your week? When you think about it, church is about an hour long. If you're staying for lunch today, you get like a double dip, like two hours of church today. So you're solid and you're going to eat after church today. And I hope you're staying. And listen, if you didn't bring anything with you when Kelsey comes up and shares announcements at the end, that we have plenty, plenty, plenty of food. We got extra food on purpose. And we want you all to stay just so we can have some time and get to know one another and talk and, and, and be grateful that we're all here. And some of you are going, oh, but I wasn't planning on staying. It's okay if you if you got something going on, but try to stay if you can, just so we can get a hug on you and say hi and so that you know that you're very special to this church and we love you and we're thankful for you. That's why we called it Friendsgiving. But when, when you look at everything that you did this week, does God even make your top five? Hey, do you remember, we're going to say this someday to our grandkids and great-grandkids. You ready for this? Long, long time ago. There was this thing called COVID-19. And we all stayed home for almost a year and still got paid. And to make sure we stayed home longer, the government even paid us to stay home, right? We're going to talk about that someday. You, what do you mean? Well, honey, great-great-great-grandpa Ed, I mean, I'll be 120 years old when this happens, right? The government sent us checks because we didn't make a certain amount of money per year just to make sure we have enough money even though we were still getting paid. Wow, is that why our country is broke today? That's exactly why we're broke today. No political statement in that, okay? I'm just messing around. But when we look back during that time where we were all sequestered in our homes and all that stuff, you ready? I'm going to say something. I'm saying it to me first. <sighs> I hate this. How much TV did you watch during that? <laughs> Like, my wife and I were out with a couple that we like to do stuff with, and we were talking about series. Well, hey, what have you seen lately? Tell me a good series. Tell me a good deal. And, and I've had that conversation with many of you. Well, tell me a good series you've seen on TV. And I tell my wife, stop promoting 
series on TV because people are going to think the only thing we do all the time is watch TV. And she'll say, yeah, but we do it together. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, but we got, you know, we don't want people to think we're watching 10 hours of TV a day. But have you ever, I remember when I was a kid and we did this, we were reading this study and the study talked about how much television people watch a day. Now, this is when there was three channels, remember NBC, ABC, and CBS. There was the free channel <laughs> that, what, what, what's the free channel called? on channel? Yeah, PBS, which was nothing until, uh, what is it called again? Yeah, it was nothing until Downton Abbey came out. Nobody even knew PBS. Why am I going to watch, why would you watch PBS, a TV show that asks for money, when you just go to church where they ask for money, right? Why would you even do that? But PBS, like Downton Abbey, oh, I got Downton Abbey. We love Downton Abbey, right? But then the, and you start talking about back and forth. Oh, yeah, we saw that series. Did you see? Yeah, it's coming out in December. Did you see? Oh, yeah, we love that series. Oh, oh yeah, we saw that too. And we've had conversations where we're like, there's like seven or eight different series. That, I had somebody say to me, Josh was saying this to me yesterday when we were in the car coming back from the game. He said, uh, did you see the Tiger King? <laughs> we know that, don't we? We know that. We know it's only five or six episodes, and we've watched it already, And right? It's very convicting when you look at your life and your time and what you really spend that doing. And listen, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm saying that to just make you, to, to help you to understand we invest ourselves in what's most important to us. If God is the most important part of your life, the way that you talk, the way that you love people, the way that you spend your money, the way that you view your home, the way that you view your job, the way that you view your family will all be a reflection of that first love that we're supposed to have. God must come first. Listen, that's very easy to say, and it's very hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Like I think for all of us, because, and listen, we're not, it's not this, it's not this big difference where we're like, I'm either Spending my time with God or the opposite of that is I'm like a mass murderer, right? Because when we're not spending as much time with God, it doesn't mean we're doing bad things, right? It doesn't mean we're looking at bad stuff, hurting people, living an evil life. Not spending time with God could be watching Downton Abbey. Not spending time with God could be spending too much time at work. Could be spending too much time doing things that you shouldn't be doing, Right? God must come first. I want you to ask yourself a question right now, just right where you're sitting. You don't have to say it out loud, but I just want you to kind of reflect inside of your mind. Look at your week. Look at your life. Look at your year. Look at whatever stage of life that you're in. Ask your, is God, if people were to talk to me, could they tell that God is first in my life? Is that easy? Is that, is that a natural thing for me to talk about? Now, I'm not talking about guilting people. You need to go to church. Oh, I'm talking about, are you, do you talk about the goodness of God in your life? Do you talk about how thankful for you, you are and how good he is to you? Do, you? do you stop and pray before you eat just because you know that how good God is, right? Is God first in your life? God must come first. And here's how we do that. Number two, how do we put our life in order? Put God first. Number two is this. Develop, and that's an important word, godly and righteous character. You know what develop means? It's a process. 
Like you're not all you should be. And this is an unfortunate thing if you think about this this morning. You're not all you should be the day that you accept Christ as Savior. Now let me help you understand something. You're all you need to be to have a relationship with God the way that you are today. God loves you just the way that you are. And the moment that you accept him as personal Savior, you are one of his kids. But there's something that needs to take place in your life, a really religious, long, long word called sanctification. And here's what that long, ridiculously long word means. It means you submit to a daily process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And it takes a while. Right? We tell, we, when we're raising our kids and we're trying to develop their character, helping them to make good decisions, right? They're not all they can be at five, but we see signs. Hey, we need a little extra of this in their life. Maybe at eight years old, that we need to, we need to kind of form them a little bit better in this way and form them a little bit better in that way. Why is that? Because they're in a process of what? Development. They're developing their character when they're young. The day that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the day that you start or can start to develop godly character. What does godly character mean? Here's the other verse. This is the home run verse. If you will read, apply, memorize, and remember this verse, this would be a great, great verse in your walk with the Lord. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this. I beg you, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It means this. That's the least of what you can do. And here's, the, here's the contrast of that. Paul says, and don't be conformed to the world. Don't try to be like the world and all the world's value system and what the world has to offer. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be changed or transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's the battle that we have in our lives. As believers, if you know Christ is your Savior, this is a battle that takes place in our life every single day. Am I submitting to God's will or am I pursuing my will? That's just not the unsaved world that deals with that. That's every person that is a follower of Jesus every day has to decide whether or not they're submitting to God's will or following their will. You say, Pastor, I'm not an evil person. I didn't say you were an evil person. But sometimes we get very distracted by the things of this world the commandment number 10, don't covet, don't want what everybody else wants. Be content in what you have. Trust me that I'm going to provide for you. Trust me that I can sustain you. And this is what God's telling us, church. Trust me, God says this, that I am enough. And sometimes we don't think he's enough. We want more. Now, wanting some of the things that we want more of don't, aren't necessarily, I want, I want my kids, I want my kids to know Jesus. And we kind of get caught in that trap that the, you know what else we want our kids to have? This is a horrible, horrible thing to, to try to live for. I want my kids to have it better than I had it. You know when you say that, you know what you're saying to God? You kind of screwed me over, I want it better for them. That's what we're saying because we're not trusting the process that God took us through. If you had it hard and you came out of that successful, Instead of being upset at God, maybe you could be thankful for that. For that process that you went through in your life. If you've ever, if you're a reader, read a book by Tom Brokaw called The Greatest Generation. It's about the generation that served in World War II and industrialized our country after World War II. And they suffered. And they lived through hardship. And our country went through it. But it's also probably the most unified and successful time in the history of the United States. 
People trusted God. People went to church. They were content. They bought a car. They paid it off. They bought a house. They paid it off, right? And I know things were different back then, but boy, things were different back then. There was a different value system that was, pre- that was prevalent in our country. Co- was, it was a value system that people talked about. Today, when you talk about a value system or submitting to or following or not pursuing stuff the way that the rest of the world does, we kind of get looked down upon. Don't you want more? More of what? What does it profit? The Bible says this. What does it profit the world? It, what does it profit? Jesus said this to the rich man. If you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul. It's nice having stuff. I like going to my closet and seeing that I have more than one pair of shoes to pick out for Sunday. I like that. There's some things that I like. I have to be careful not to like those things more than I like what God's called me to do. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Being rich or poor doesn't make you good or bad. We're all responsible to be faithful with what God has trusted us with. And here's the thing, not just be faithful, but be grateful. Just be grateful. Thank you for today. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my autumnal shirt that I can wear in church today. I had three or four, Pastor, you're very seasonal today. I'm like, wow, I'm pretty, that's kind of cool, you know. I was just happy that me and Rosie matched today, my granddaughter. I thought that was awesome. Our will versus God. Here's the thing. If you want to understand who the greatest, and we, we all understand this in Scripture, the greatest example of this is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed this in the Lord's Prayer. He said, your will be done on heaven as it, as it is on earth. You know what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, not my will, but thy will be done. And that, that's not just a Sunday morning thing. God, I'm kind of tired today. Spent seven hours in the car going to a football game. I was tired this morning from driving. You know, you know what? Here's a great, I've, I've said this before to you. You know what? Great sign that you're old when you wake up and you're sore from sleeping. Like, oh, that was a rough night's sleep, you know. Whew, that was brutal, right? That's when you really know that you're old when those things start to happen to you. But we think, we think that we have just shot a three-pointer from the top of the arc, going back to basketball, of course, when we get up on Sunday morning and make it to church, like that's a great big accomplishment. I put God first today during what most people would call late breakfast or brunch time. Good for you. And listen, I'm glad that you're here and I'm not speaking to you in a condescending tone that you made it for church, but sometimes we think that that's the sign of successful Christian living. Did you put God first in your life this week? Yes, of course I did. I woke up at 9.30, made it to church by 10.05. God is first in my life. Is God first? Was God first in your life on Monday in traffic? Was God first in your life Tuesday when you had to make this critical financial decision? Was God first in your life on Wednesday when something came on that you shouldn't have been watching? Was God first in your life on Thursday when you got into an argument with somebody? Was God first in your life on Friday when you were thinking about your weekend plans? Was God first in your life on Friday at 10 o'clock at night when you were out with your friends? Was God first in your life on Saturday, right? Is God first in your life, period, not just for 45 to an uh, hour and 15 on Sunday morning? Jesus set that example. He said in John 6, 38, I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. He said, I'm not here, because, uh, I'm not here to, to do all this earth stuff. Here's, and here's, now, we don't have Jesus' perspective yet because we've not seen heaven. 
but it's almost like he was saying to people, you don't understand how awesome it's going to be. This stinks. It's awful. You don't need showers in heaven. You don't need haircuts in heaven. Sorry, Scott. You don't need, you don't, there's a lot of stuff that is not part of our life in heaven. This is all very, very temporary. You know what he called the best of your stuff? Wood, hay, and stubble. That's what it is. It's not, it's all, it's all going to, it's all going to be gone someday. Luke 22, he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup or let this, what's going to happen, this crucifixion. If it's your will, Lord, I don't want to do that. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I wonder how many times we're praying about stuff that we're buying. I wonder how many times we're praying about stuff that we're doing. I wonder how many times we're praying about, God, show me what I could sacrifice, what I could do more for your kingdom work. I wonder how many times we do that, that, we, that, that we're wrestling with something that we want to do, right? Because my dad said this to me many, many years ago. You're always going to do what you want to do. You, you really are. We find... Have you ever done some things that seemed impossible because you really, really wanted to do it? Like you really, I got to figure, and, and you're like, man, I'm really trying to figure this thing out and work this thing out and get this thing going. And you look back and say, gosh, I just really did a good job with that. Man. So how do we do that? Here's the last thing. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek him first. Matthew 6.33. We saw a show the other day. Kim was watching TV and I walked in the room. Excuse me. I think it was... I think it was that show that is, um, do you remember that show that was, the, oh, the Wonder Years. Remember the Wonder Years? We saw the Wonder Years this week. It's kind of cool. And at the end of the show, watch it. If, I'm not telling you to watch the show. Just go on at the end. Pastor told me to watch TV this week. And then he told me I watch too much TV, right? Moral dilemma. At the end of the show, I stopped it because at the very end of the show, I don't know if you've seen this, when they're given the credits, like in the, the Hollywood Mountain, instead of saying Hollywood, it says Matthew 6.33 at the end of the show, right on the television screen. It's like, man, that's, i got to put that in my message this week now, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's what God says. Contentment, you, you struggling with contentment? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the big prize. And then he says, then, you can, then this, this stuff will be added. On. But you know what you're going to find out when you seek God and his righteousness and his kingdom and reaching people and honoring God and obeying God? sacrificially giving to God when all that stuff is a priority in your life you know what you're going to find out about that stuff that's so important to us it's not that important it's just not that important Romans Revelation eleven fifteen, the seventh angel sounded a horn and there were loud voices in heaven that said this the kingdoms of the world have become kingdoms of our Lord of our Lord and of his Christ and it says this and he shall reign forever and ever. That's what's going to last a long time. That's what's going to outlast our bank account. That's what's going to outlast our home. When we bought our home a few years ago, this, this is kind of funny, it's embarrassing and funny a little bit. This is the longest Kim and I have ever lived in one dwelling place our whole married life. We've been married 36 years, and we've lived in this. It'll be, after the turn of the year, it'll be five years in this house. So when we bought the house, you know what we did? We did what you do when you get a new house, right? We put a kitchen in. We did our bathrooms during COVID. And our house was like, man, it was just pre-bell. It was perfect. You know what we have to do now after five years? And I painted the whole house by myself. We did a lot of the work we did by ourselves. You know what I have to do now five years after living in this house? I got to paint that stinking house again. My grandkids and my kids have jacked up all the walls in my house. 
I'm constantly fixing that thing. I can't get ahead of fixing that thing. And you know what winds up happening? That can become something that's first in our life. Not the kingdom of God. So I want you to ask yourself a question. Just in a reflective moment, just before we pray. Is your life in order? Is my life in order? Is, the found, is God first in my life? Am I seeking him with my whole life? Am I submitted? Am I, am I in a developmental process where I'm reading the word of God daily, meeting with somebody, part of a group in discipleship, something where I'm, where I'm, where I'm taking strides of growth? Am, am I doing that in my life today? Is my life in order? Is my marriage in order? Is my relationship with my husband or my relationship with my wife, is, is, is that in the proper order of my life? Are, are we in a, do we have a marriage where we're trying to out-honor each other while we're putting God first and honoring Him? Are my kids, do I have the proper place in my life for my children? Be careful not to live for your kids. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? You live for God and love your kids. The greatest thing you're ever going to give your kids, and we're kind of in that battle too, like we want to do more. Our, we were young in the ministry, and we had four kids, and we weren't hardly making any money. I used to lie, I used to, lie to my kids about Christmas. When I was in Bible college, I said, Pastor, you said you were an adulterer last week. Now you're a liar. What's up with that, right? You know, we told our kids when they were little, when I was in Bible college and I was working like a dog trying to get through seminary and all that stuff. Christmas was Christmas, was December 25th, but I had an opportunity to work on Christmas Day and make triple time. So we just moved Christmas up to Friday. They were four and three. They didn't know any better. Well, we're, and we didn't lie to them, lie to them. We just, we celebrated Christmas when we wanted to celebrate Christmas. So we could work and provide, right? But then, then you get a little older and you have a little bit more. Well, my kids, man, they just did without, so I got to do more. And we get in this kind of, this vortex where our kids become first in our life. Well, I can't do that because I got to do for my kids. I can't do that because I got to do this for my kids. I can't do that because I, you want to know a great thing you can pass on to your kids? A relationship with Jesus Christ. Your kids will remember stuff that you bought them, but they're not going to remember stuff that you bought them as much as they're going to remember character lessons you taught them and how you lived out your life in front of them. Those are the things they're going to remember. Is my job first in my life? That's a tough thing because we have to, it takes a big hunk of our week to have a full-time job, 40, 50 hours. If the driving time, making your lunch time, homework time, it could be 60, 70 hours a week. That could take a first place in our life. Is our finances? Is your money the most important thing in your life? Or, and it's kind of funny, it's, 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 it's the... Just because you have money doesn't mean money's the most important thing in your life because people that don't have money make money the most important thing in their life because they want something that other people have and covet. Are your relationships dominant over your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? How about your personal alone time? Are you worried? Are you lonely? Are you longing after your friend's life or after your friend's stuff? Let me be a coach this morning. Put your bees in order. Maybe you could go home today and make a priority list of some things you need to spend more time doing when it comes to your relationship with God. Put your bees in order. I know that's figuratively. It would have been really cool if I had a second outline for that. But put God first. Develop your godly character and seek Him first. I think all of us, if we were truly honest with God today, could spend a little bit of time confessing this morning on how we don't prioritize Him. Listen, that's not a statement to make you feel bad. That's the Holy Spirit saying this. Maybe he's showing you something. 
yeah, this is, this is not in order. But here's the great thing. He wants you to confess it and make it right for this purpose because he wants to bless you. Let's try to seek first his kingdom this week, this season during Christmas, and in all that we do. Let's pray. Today, Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for hard lessons in your word. Lord, there's times listening, reading, struggling through some of these things to talk about, Lord, that I feel it's like almost like a boxing match and I'm getting hit, hit with left and rights. And I, so, I know sometimes we feel that, either whether we're watching online and we're sitting in the auditorium this morning where we're, sometimes we have to, we go through that self thing, oh, he's talking to me. Lord, I'm sharing what you told me to share and whatever's happening in somebody's life is between them and you. I just want to be an encouragement and tell people to do what I need to do and that's to keep my life in order. To keep you first so that I can be a better husband. Lord, I, if I keep you first over my kids, I could be a better father to my kids. If I keep you first over my job, I could be a better worker and, and a better godly example to the people that I work with. If I keep you first to my grandkids, I want to do all kinds of stuff for them. But what they need from me is to see that Jesus is real in my life and that when they remember me someday, when I'm not here, that they'll remember a grandma and a grandpa that love Jesus. God, we get so influenced by so many other things. And I think this covet principle may be one of the hardest commandments to keep on a constant basis because we are, it's so ingrained into us to want more and to justify wanting more. And we've got to be careful with that because it's not the stuff that gets us in trouble. It's not having that gets us in trouble. It's not being content with what we already have. So help us all to be content. Lord, this week during Thanksgiving, may we all take some time and reflect and be thankful for the relationship we can have with you, for our church, for our family, for our health, for the blessings that you've given to us. Lord, help us to, to, to rest in your goodness, not get all caught up. Oh, am I going to have enough money for Christmas? Lord, we pray that we'll be healthy. We pray that we'll have time to spend with our families. We pray for safety and travel during the holidays. We pray that we'll do things over the holidays by, by, by setting aside some, some resource to do stuff for other people and care for other families and do things for our community. Like, like our church did this week with the Operation Christmas Child and how we're going to help out the Plano police with the stuff Kelsey's going to share with us in a moment. Lord, help us to look out and, 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 and care for the needs of others. Help us to be good stewards of what you've given us, Lord. But help us to be content. I just want to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. And I wonder how many would say this morning, Pastor, pray for me. This principle of contentment is easier said than done. I agree with it, but I could use some encouragement and I just need the Lord to speak to me a little bit more and help me to, to, to kind of fend off temptation when it comes my way. Contentment is an area where I struggle. I covet. I want things maybe that I shouldn't want. It's driving me. And I pray that God will give me a spirit of contentment, especially during the holidays. Please pray for me and my family. If that's true about you, just lift your hand up in the air. God bless you. God bless you. I'm putting my hand up. God bless you all over the room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Father in heaven, for all that you've done for us. Help us to be content because that is where we'll see great gain in our lives. We ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody said in agreement with me? Amen. How, I'm, Kelsey's going to come up and share some things with you, but I want to add a little thing here. You see these little Frisbees on your chair? 
They're pretty great. They'll go far. Right, right there. They'll go far. I, I thought about doing that all church, and it landed right where my wife was sitting. How baller is that? Like, for real, that's where she was sitting. <clears throat> if you take one of these invitations, be creative. Put something on Facebook about how you've given them to somebody. But listen, you can give them out when you go to lunch. Make sure you give a good tip. Remember, as a Christian, your tip is not based on how good service is. Your tip is based on how generous you are. Let that, let that kind of germinate your brain a little bit. Put them when you go out to eat. We all go out to eat. Put it, put in your thing when you go out to eat. When you go and get coffee somewhere, if there's a community board, put them on your coffee community board, like at Starbucks or 1416, 1418. 1416's next door, right? Yeah, 1418. Do some of that kind. You know what else you can do? Tape a little pack of M&Ms on it and give them out to your neighbors. Don't put them in your mailbox because that's kind of like a federal offense, and I don't understand there's some kind of really holy thing about a U.S. mailbox, but put it at their house, give it to them, hand it to them, find ways to give these invites out. We're going to have a lot of people that are going to be here on December the 3rd, 4th. Kelsey's going to talk to you about that in just a second. We want you to be a part of that, but let's be, here's, here's the thing. If we bought 2,500 invites, it was like $250. If we bought 5,000 invites, it was like $300. $50 more for like double the, it's printing stuff. I don't get all of it. So we bought 5000 for $50 more. I don't want to throw 2400 away, right, because they're outdated the week after, the week after this event happens. So take a bunch of them. Don't, you can have as many as you want to, I promise. We're not going to run out. But give them out strategically this week, and let's see a bunch of people come to our church the first week of December. So hopefully they'll come during the Christmas season when we start a really cool series next week called Christmas at the Movies. It's going to be so fun. We're going to be going through the birth of our Lord Jesus, the, the significance of that, having some fun. It's going to be great. These guys have planned such a great uh, bunch of stuff we're going to do all throughout the month. I know you're going to enjoy it, and I know your friends will be challenged and changed because they're going to hear about our Jesus the whole month of December uh, through the Christmas story. So, Kelsey, share with us what's next. And invite everybody. To